Welcome back, WIT listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Julia Della Rosa from ICF. Julia leads Partnerships and Technology Alliances Strategy across ICF's public sector group as part of the CTO office. Since joining ICF, Julia works across the full spectrum of startups and small businesses to some of the world's largest technology companies, bringing cross-functional collaboration and strategic planning to elevate, incubate, and scale growth-enabling relationships. (laughs) Whoa, what an incredible position and bio, and I am excited for this episode. With that, thank you, Julia, for being with us today. Thanks, Christine. I'm delighted to be here. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the questions here. Why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself, where you're from, your current work position, and I'd also like the audience to know more about ICF in general. Great. So to get started, not to repeat part of my bio, but I am the Senior Director of Strategic Alliances here at ICF. I am based in the Toronto office and have been during my five years at ICF, but liaise across our entire organization for a period of time and currently, as you mentioned, uh, sit in our public sector group and our CTO's office in particular. For those that aren't familiar, ICF is a global advisory and digital services provider. We play at the intersection of deep domain expertise. So think transportation, health, aviation, climate change, and digital innovation to really accelerate customer value and mission outcomes. Our vision, our purpose is to build a prosperous and resilient world for all. We're about 7,000 people. We're globally dispersed and we are a publicly traded company. We bring all sorts of experts to tackle big, complex problems. So we like to lovingly refer to the fact that we have all the ologists that you could imagine. And you bring all of that domain expertise and couple it with all of the technology and digital expertise and creative expertise that sit within ICF. And you really have this unique combination to solve, again, some of the world's most complex problems. For me, I mentioned I lead strategic alliances and I am responsible for those relationships and that strategy to build an ecosystem of partners that really complements our core competencies. I am the original architect of this role. So there was no one before me formally. And I built our enterprise partner ecosystem framework. So the way we wanted to operate and think about these types of relationships, primarily technology, but not exclusively. And on a day-to-day basis, I'm responsible for really enabling our organization, both those that are domain experts and those that are technologists, to really make the most out of our technology relationships so that they complement and accelerate our growth and the accomplishment and the achievement of mission outcomes we're, we're seeking to deliver for our clients. That's a little bit about what I do on a day-to-day basis. And I often joke that every day, still five years later, I'm still learning about the type of work that we do, new types of projects. In a timely way, ICF is responsible for Biosense, which is the CDC's biosyndromic surveillance system. It's the one that tracks things like COVID early stage to uh, health and human services type programs. So running training and technical assistance for early childhood care providers and 
helping to create the marketing campaigns around smoking cessation programs. I could keep on going. The stories about the work that we're doing truly is inspiring. And, and that's just that side of, of the house. We've got transportation projects we're working on to roll out electric vehicles and a whole host of work around climate. And so I, again, would encourage all of your listeners to check out icf.com and learn a little bit more about the fascinating and truly inspiring work my colleagues are undertaking. Yeah. And I love what you said about even you've been there for five years, but you're still learning new things about it. And I love when companies evolve, they're at the forefront of technology or the horizon. So kudos to that. I think that's great. Now, how did you get started in your field? Um, What does your career journey look like? So I love that you said the word field. Because when I think of wit, I think of technology, obviously, and I did not start in technology. I started as a domain expert, so passionate about improving what I'll call environmental outcomes, so sustainable transportation, energy efficiency, I could keep on going on, but really focused on customer and citizen engagement programs. I have a master's in pro-environmental behavior change theory, and so I often laugh when I think of myself now as being in the technology area, but don't always think about it as my field, ironically. For me, my journey really focused on growth. So the growth side of a company, not the project management or the delivery side. And so my career has been primarily in business and market development, again, in that domain expertise. I would really characterize my formal entry into technology, perhaps as a little less than 10 years ago, but let's just put it at about a decade. I was at a small consulting company focused in my domain area, as I just said, leading growth for the organization. And there were a number of SaaS companies that were starting to focus on our vertical and starting to accelerate outcomes and think about new ways of approaching things that we were working on, quite frankly. And one thing led to another and i realized i needed a greater understanding of of technology about what was happening you know the pace of change over the last 10 years alone you can perhaps imagine what i was seeing or what i was thinking but for me at the time i realized i didn't see an accelerated path in my current role or the company i was at that small consulting company to really deep dive into understanding and having a fuller appreciation for how it could marry up with my domain expertise. And so, you know, a common theme for me that I talk about my career journey is I throw myself overboard. Mm. And there's there's a life raft there of sorts, but I, I have a sort of very sort of vivid image in my head of like, okay, we're giving this a shot. And so I left that company and I joined a loyalty platform. They were a startup. They were focused at that intersection of domain with for them software. And to give context, I didn't know what an API was at the time. Um, (laughs) That's how green I was. But again, I had this need to know and need to understand. And so I called it my crash course. I got to lead the go-to-market strategy for that company. And it resulted in a successful product launch and our first client contract. It was a public-private sort of arrangement with both a municipal government and a uh, local utility company. I won't go into the details of it, 
and we partnered with IBM to make it happen. And I look at this as sort of my first foray because I was part of an executive leadership team working hand in hand with a CTO for the first time in my career. And it was at that point that I think I look at it as my first sort of formal step into technology, into our industry. And from there, I joined a smart home device company, a company called Ecobee. They do smart thermostats, led a market development exercise to engage utility companies North America wide. And then I pivoted back to consulting and to really bring home in some ways what I had learned on this sort of, I'll call it short journey, where I wanted to be able to empower and enable those like me that were domain experts to harness technology companies and how they can be complementary and truly accelerate what you're trying to achieve. And so over the last 10 years in particular, that intersection of mission domain with technology really emerged. And so I think that's a short summary of my journey and how I've now come to think of myself as playing a role in in the technology industry, at least. And I love how you took your experience. Like you said, you were not necessarily originally from the tech field, but then with the experience that you had, with the interests that you have, mission, domain, tech, you kind of joined them and combined them together and architecting the role that you have. And it's great because we always talk about, you know, women in technology and uh, some people will be taken aback and say, oh, but I'm not a technologist or I'm not a coder. But in this day and age, um, we find that all the positions, you're touching technology, everyone has a computer in front of them, they have a smartphone, everything now deals with technology. Gosh, so so I'm glad that you mentioned that. We really are in a digital era. Yeah. And I think we have an appreciation for it sometimes in small pockets of our life, but not always how it impacts all elements of the work we do. And yeah, I I love how you've sort of succinctly brought that together um, because it, it has been a journey for me. And I think for many others that don't come from I'll call it a traditional technology background. Right, exactly. Challenges along the way. How did you pull through them? Yeah, I think, you know, one main thing is where to go next. I think the world has so many possibilities, but still sort of wondering, okay, well, where do I go next? How do I have an impact? What do I need to learn? And so I would say that mentors and coaches And even what I would characterize as advisors have been key to honing in, not necessarily, you know, three, five-year plans, but even short-term plans of where to go next? Where does my career journey take me? I think that's often the part I wrestle with most because we have only so much time. And I think for me, at least, I have a desire to have a meaningful impact in, as I said at the beginning, building a prosperous and resilient world. Yeah. And you mentioned mentors. Um, That's a topic that usually comes up a lot in this podcast. Is there a lesson maybe that you learn from a mentor? How do you apply it every day as a woman in in this field? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I probably have more than one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh So I may talk about a few, if I may. Um, Absolutely. Because there are three individuals and sort of three 
perhaps not lessons, but things that I carry from each. And, and I could probably keep listing the number of influential conversations and coaches and advisors and mentors. But I would say the first I had early on in my career, I had a coach through a role that I had. And one of the things that she armed me with was, again, quite early in my career, was the power of identifying and prioritizing your goals. If you um, are familiar with Covey and the seven habits mm -hmm. of highly effective people, mm -hmm. um, and there's the quadrant of urgent, non-urgent work and important and unimportant work. And we as humans, I think, have a predisposition towards urgent, regardless sometimes of whether it's urgent and important or urgent and unimportant, urgency trumps all. And if I remember the book correctly, and if I remember my coach in particular correctly, it's really focusing on the important. And sometimes the important is not urgent, but it's the really impactful work that sets you up for everything that you want to accomplish. And so she had this really great analogy of an hourglass and every week you have so much time and there's the sand that's sort of constantly trickling through and she said her analogy was golf balls put golf balls in the hourglass those are your important things that you need to get to and they won't change their shape regardless of what happens during that week and the sand will fill around it all. Your emails, your urgent stuff will fill around it all. But understanding what those golf balls are and how you're moving things forward in a very deliberate manner with all the other, I don't want to call it noise because oftentimes it is important stuff, but everything else will, will fill around them. So that was one. A second was a mentor, advisor. He's a person who is deeply connected in the global technology industry. And I realized through my series of conversations with him over the years that this constant curiosity, that our field is rapidly changing, that we don't have the luxury of time, again, that theme, and we need to keep pace and we need to keep pushing our thinking with audacious ideas and continuous learning and and so that second, if the first theme is around sort of the goals, the second is around this constant curiosity that is pushing you forward, that is forward leaning, that is adding more tools to your arsenal, which is a theme I come back to often when I speak. So that's the second. And the third is really around empathy. Um, mm. The owner of the first consulting company I worked for, I remember a piece of feedback. He was a very um, charismatic person. And I remember him saying, you know, one of the key things in life will be really connecting with people, showing them who you are, what your values are. And, and one might say it's leadership, but I use empathy because I think we are all human and leadership is one thing, but it's allowing you to actually connect with people. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when you truly connect with people, when you inspire people, when people understand a little better about what drives you, what motivates you, what's bringing you to the table for whatever discussion you're having. And um, really recognizing that our work, regardless of our domain expertise, is made up of people. It's both our colleagues and our clients and everybody else that we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I often come back to those three, and they're three very different people, very different times in my life, if I think about when I engage with each of them and very different lessons, but they all connect together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I love that you have more than one. I know that we've had guests saying that they've had more than one as well. And it's great to take all those different perspectives, but apply it in a way that works for you. And you can really join them together. All of them put together can be strongly implemented. And I'm glad that you you were able to share that with us. Thank you. And if I may, I think we often think of mentors, advisor, coaches as being very formal relationships. Mm -hmm. I know I myself often say, I don't have any mentors. And of course, I've just rattled off, you know, three examples. (laughs) But I think we often think about them as being very formal. And I would almost caution people to say, it's about relationships. And it's amazing what you'll learn through the relationships you have and perhaps not get hung up on the notion of, is this person a mentor? Um, But are you cultivating a relationship? And a relationship where you're learning something or that relationship is pushing you in a new direction or fill in the blank, whatever it is. But I know I have talked to many people. And as I said, I have struggled with this myself. I think we think of mentors as being very formal um, Mm -hmm. and majority of the time they're not. Right. Right. Exactly. You're certainly a very successful woman. What advice do you have for women who want to continue to be the best in their career, rise in their career? This may be cliche, but I'm going to say it. It is saying yes to opportunities to learn and apply that learning. And it's not just about saying yes arbitrarily, but I, I add that sort of last components. It's saying yes to opportunities to learn and applying that learning in new ways our paths often are not linear in nature. And there is a need to continuously add to, I called it my arsenal or my toolbox. And for me, I've weighed every sort of career opportunity or role opportunity against what do I want to learn? What is this adding to my toolbox? How is this sort of enhancing my skills? And how do I have exponential impact over time. And, you know, we often say, say yes to any opportunity and every opportunity, but I would qualify that to say, say yes to opportunities to learn, to expand and to push yourself in new directions that are going to only benefit you going forward. And I would also say to honor the fact that your career journey may not feel linear, (laughs) but there is this stacking of experience that when you reflect back is more linear or more exponential than than you perhaps would have imagined it to be. And that you can start to create the connections between what you did, even if it wasn't uh, fully intentional at the time, you're still driven by a need and a desire to learn and continue to expand what it is that you can do and how you how you do it. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the word exponential, because that's so true. When you go for something, there are things that you learn more about yourself that you didn't think you were capable of. um, And you keep growing from that path forward. Yeah, I always say if an opportunity does not daunt you and excite you at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) you have not flung yourself overboard enough. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, It does need to have that combination. Yeah, absolutely. And now do you have advice too for young ladies to enter the STEM field? And now that you're also in technology now, you know, particularly in the field of technology? 
Yeah, I, I don't know that I could advise somebody specifically in STEM, but perhaps what I'll share is that, again, on this theme of continuous learning, there's always more to learn from outside of your field. So if you come in with a STEM background, business acumen and the human element that I spoke of earlier, and I'm spending some time right now on change management theory. I have spent, you know, other courses on decision making. Um, and I would say really understanding that the work that you're doing is in service to something and that I find often, and this is not just people in STEM, but I find often people focus so much on their domain and don't always have an appreciation, not a deep expertise, but an appreciation for all the other macro trends out there or the expertise that perhaps cross paths with yes. um, your own. And so I know we recently wrote an article, I did not, but we did uh, at ICF about making the software engineers customer obsessed as an example. And this notion of, again, what are you doing in service to what? Why are we doing it? And again, that opening the aperture, having a curiosity and appreciation for the change that you're enabling or the change that the sort of outcomes that you are working towards as part of a macro picture, I think benefits anybody regardless of where their career journey is taking them. And so it's perhaps broader than exclusively STEM, but I think that's the one piece of advice I would give. And I will say I am biased because I think that's how I've engaged in my career and uh, and perhaps am more oriented in that direction. I think my general observation is we all benefit from picking our heads up and having a scan around. There's lots happening in the world. And even if it doesn't directly impact the immediate work you're doing tangentially, there's probably a connection if you think about it long enough. Yeah. And with everything that you're saying, it's just you, you're so passionate about what you're doing and making that impact, as you say. What drives your ambition? What inspires you to continue to grow? You know, I feel like you've answered my question for me in many ways. It is, <laughs> it is, it's about the impact. It's about the opportunity to, to learn. I was talking to somebody recently about work is a bit of a playground. It's the part that regardless of how change oriented I am in my own sort of personality, work is somewhere where I get to test and play and, and think about new ways of doing things. And I think part of that is innate. I think part of that has been built over time through muscle memory and again, throwing myself overboard. But I do have just a desire to see what's possible and see how, again, we can be improving our world and yeah. technology is one element of it. It takes a village and a village of people with very different expertise to tackle the types of complex things that we often are. I will say, and I just want to come back to the previous comment for a minute. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but one point I do want to make, and I think often for those that come from a business development background, market development background, external sort of orientation, we often think about our network and I do want to encourage particularly those that are entering into the career, starting their career journey early in their, in their jobs, is your network is a goldmine. And for me, it's probably a very odd, I'm probably not the norm, but every single job I've had has been through relationships I cultivated in my past job or yeah. in two jobs from there, two jobs back. 
And I know that my job has been much more externally oriented than many, but I think that there are deliberate things that people can do to join things like WIT um, and, and others to really build their network. The same goes within our organizations. I know within ICF, there's lots of opportunity to network with your colleagues and peers. And it's amazing the generosity that people, uh, you know, generosity in terms of time that people will give. And that goes back to those informal mentors and advisors. I feel like I'm threading all the needles <laughs> together, but I cannot emphasize enough the value of, of relationships and building those relationships and building your network. Yeah, so true. So eloquently stated. Thank you for that. That's the key, as you mentioned, to so many things are the people that you surround yourself with. Now let's go through the fire questions here. First one, Starbucks or homebrewed? Homebrewed espresso maker. We bought oh. <laughs> one just before the pandemic. Don't think it could have been a better time to purchase. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Um, especially right before the pandemic. That was uh, your ROI. You probably <laughs> very, very quickly. Not that we're huge coffee drinkers, but yes, it has been well used and well loved. And again, couldn't have been better time. <laughs> now, if you could invent one thing, what would it be? This one is always a hard one for me, but I would go with a smartphone. Again, following on the theme of the pandemic. And particularly, I, I am based in Toronto, and, and we had very extended periods of lockdown, which had really fantastic sort of outcomes in terms of overall public health and numbers, et cetera, but was really challenging to keep in touch in a meaningful way. And if I think of Zoom and FaceTime and Messenger and you name it, I think we're all a little tired of it, but the computing power that is in our hands Yes. Never ceases to amaze me. I think I mentioned this idea of an audacious idea earlier on. It really has been sort of game changing. I would love to invent an audacious goal. I don't think that's who I am innately, but I am in awe of audacious ideas like the very first truly smartphone. We don't often think of that on a day to day basis because it's just so omnipresent now in such a short period of time. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm getting this theme. It's because of the impact of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Okay. And finally, if you could invite one historical figure over for dinner, who would it be and why? I think I'd be more interested in visionaries today and where, what they're thinking about. What are those audacious ideas that all of us would hear about and go, you're thinking mm -hmm. about what? How is that possible? To be inspired by that sort of unencumbered thinking, hearing that being pushed to be thinking about what next, how next, I think is really powerful. Perhaps this sort of draws my central theme. How are we tackling some of our big issues of today, climate change being one, and perhaps in my opinion, the most important? That's a great answer. It's a unique one. Again, it goes with your theme of the impact of your future, what's going to make things better for tomorrow. Yeah. Nicely yeah. summarized. <laughs> well, I mean, what a truly great conversation this has been. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom, Julia. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. I won't say it's not often you get to reflect, but I think reflection is a really powerful thing. And 
you've given me a really good chance to sit down and think about what that journey has been and to share it. Yes, yes. You may find Julia and continue on with her journey <laughs> on LinkedIn at Julia Dalla Rosa. And again, that's on LinkedIn. Until then, keep inspiring girls and women from the classroom to the boardroom. 